everybody. Welcome back to yet another I've Got Questions podcast, continuing on with LobsterCon coverage and follow-up from such an amazing event. And today, we have a person who was running those little elves, and I believe it was a Tua, just did not make the cut. Um, We have, and make sure I'm pronouncing this right, I apologize. Is it Spencer Gordon Sand? Awesome. I did say yeah. it right. I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah. And I, I uh, unfortunately got ninth on breakers in the main event, but I did follow it up with third place in the side event. So. You see uh, quality upon quality. And this is what we like to see. And first off, Spencer, number one, it's a pleasure to have you with us. Truly, truly it is. Um, And then secondly, why don't we start off with, can you give us a brief a brief history of your time in Magic and kind of what led you to pre-modern? Yeah, so I got into Magic, like, I think right around, like, Scars of Mirrodin block. So, like, when I got into Magic, Standard was, like, entirely Cawblade. <laughs> um, so for, for people who remember that, um, played for a while. I mostly played like I, I got in pretty casually got into standard like I, so, okay i think i actually got started at like a summer camp and like i had some <laughs> cards but like really started playing standard around cobblade um and then got into legacy uh kind of so i went from standard then i got into like commander before that really picked up and that picked up and all the cards went like crazy up in value and i traded like most of my commander cards into legacy cards and played a bunch of legacy on the scg circuit like back in the day mm-hmm. um and mostly played uh esper deathblade that was like my favorite deck when death right shaman was legal it kind of all came together so i played like a lot of that um but i also like was they did a lot of like buying and selling cards like i would say i was 50 percent magic like to play and 50 percent to like i don't know like trade trading cards trading <laughs> flipping um, you know making money here and there it was it, it, that was a lot more fun back in the day before there was all like the apps. And so it was like you just had to memorize prices and sit down. And it was like, you know, two people with a bu- bunch of cards and you just hope you knew the prices <laughs> the other person. Like exactly the good old Wild West days. Uh-huh. It's a lot less fun now. Everyone's like, oh, it's like 25 cents off based on TCG. Like, no, no, <laughs> like, it's not. you don't understand. Back in my day, I was hoping I just broke even. Maybe I make money. Maybe I yeah. just lose my whole ass. You never know. <laughs> Yeah, I used to see like the floor dealers that would go and they'd have all the binders and you knew they were like getting you for whatever. Uh But yeah, so I I, like so I kind of I sold out of magic in like like 20, like 17, 2018, like mostly. Um, And it was I was running startups at the time and I needed to make payroll for my startup. (laughs) And I had a bunch of cardboard sitting there and I was like, huh, I could shut my company down or I could sell some cardboard. Yeah. (laughs) So I sold some cardboard. That makes sense. Um, and then I was living in Chicago at the time. There wasn't as big a scene in Chicago. Uh, but then in the pandemic, I moved back to New York and I like, so I was always playing a little bit online, mm-hmm. um, had some fortunate outcomes with startups, sold the company, um, had a pretty crazy run in crypto, like got into like NFTs pretty early. And, <laughs> um, like in December of 2021, but I had kind of gotten st- I got and I got bought like 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 Death and Taxes and Legacy at one point, like and kind of got back into it a little bit when your your Ion came out and there's a good like New York scene and things were starting to open up again after COVID. And then in December, I was like, I don't know, like I don't know, like crypto, like maybe maybe it goes down a bunch. So I sold like a ton of crypto and my significant other was like, oh, like sweet, like we're gonna have money now. And I was like, even better. Uh-huh. <laughs> we're gonna have cardboard. Yes. This <laughs> so is the real rich. I was just like selling crypto and buying a lot of like shiny cardboard. Uh-huh. Um, and my, you know, in the New York scene. So I was playing mostly legacy, started dabbling a little bit in vintage. And my friend Roland was like, Hey, like you got to check out this pre-modern thing. And like, like, so I now like after doing all that startup stuff, like I'm a partner at a venture fund and like run a crypto hedge fund. And so like have periods of time where I have time to play magic and periods of time where I like really don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sense. so I was like, Ooh, Here's a format where I can kind of just like pick it up and then be gone for like six months. And there isn't like five more one mana two ones that (laughs) do crazy (laughs) stuff printed into the format. Plus the planeswalker that got banned. Oh, and they made a mechanic where now legacy is just commander. Yep. 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 (laughs) 
Um, so that was pretty appealing, and I got my butt handed to me at the first meetup. Uh, Roland gave me, for any of you guys who know Roland Chang um, in community, he's like well known for playing like foil Japanese decks. And so he handed me, when, we, when I went to the first pre-modern meetup, he's like, come, like, I'll hand you a deck. So he handed me like a, a, a burn deck. And I was like, Roland, like, what are any of these cards? Because <laughs> of course, like, I don't recognize the seventh edition foil shock in Japanese. <laughs> How <laughs> like, dare you? Um, and like, this is, the funny thing about pre-modern too is like, I think a lot of people are in pre-modern for like the nostalgia of this era. And this is not an era that I originally <laughs> played in at all. It's like Fire Blast. Um, what does this do? But... I was like, yeah, so Fire Blast, so I play a lot of cubes. So there are some cards. Okay, like, oh, there you go. Cube card that I've seen. Okay. The Fire Blast is one that was familiar. Um, but I was also like, so, uh, oh yeah, so um, bringing it full circle, my first like competitive deck I ever had during Cobblade Standard was Elves. <laughs> <laughs> Which, for any of you who played during Cobblade Standard, you know that the choice of playing anything other than Cobblade was the wrong choice. Yes, there, that is <laughs> a fair. So, like, fair. At some point, I built Legacy Elves, but I'd always really liked Deathblade more. Like I just, I was better with the deck, and so I was pretty excited about pre-modern because. And I know this is a long rambling answer to your question, but I hope you'll all indulge me in People this rambling. But I, when I got when I got into pre-modern, I was like, "Oh, like Elves is good in this format. <laughs> Let me play that." Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so yeah, so kind of built some Elves, uh, and I actually yeah, I'll pause there. I, I'm sure you have. Oh, that's avenues to go down. So it sounds like we we got into pre-modern because magic time was limited. This was a format that you didn't really you can have fun with, but you don't have to uh, keep up with new sets arriving, et cetera, et cetera. And you get to play cool elf cards and shiny cards and all that stuff. So with that being said, you said you moved back to New York, and the New York scene, for lack of a better term, is probably one of, if not the fastest growing scene in pre-modern uh at least u.s based i'm sure other european countries it's growing as well down south but new york number one um is just growing so fast because there are so many there's so many good magic players there and there's so many old heads there that really appreciate the play patterns i mean you i'm sure you've been at the meetings you see them all you know who's there i don't have to say the names yeah. at all and it's this hotbed that is bubbling up, and it's amazing to see. Tell me about the New York scene as you've gotten to know it some more from kind of an insider's view. Is it just a, is it just a headhunter's club of we like each other, but we are really going for this win? It's not the uh, we're going to put together a brew. It's no, we're going to put together our best decks, and we want to crush you. Is that what that scene I mean, is like? I, I, I mean, like, like. Like, it's pretty spiky. Yeah, yeah. Like, New York scene and everything is pretty spiky. Right? Yeah. But I wouldn't say, like, I think people mistake that for it being, like, very, like, like, mean and unwelcoming. Like, no, it's like, oh, everyone's very friendly, but, like, people are there to try and win. And I think it's gotten a little bit more spiky recently, is my understanding. <laughs> it's like, well, but, it, but I think a lot of how it, it's gotten so good is there's a lot of, like, ex-pro players that will just, like, like, like you know, really good ex-pro players that will just show up. Uh -huh. And there's sort of a community. I mean, credit to Mike Flores for pulling a lot of those people in. Uh -huh. But I think there is a big community of ex-pro players that don't want to keep up with whatever the fuck's going on in their printing. Oh, sorry. You can cuss. You're sorry, good. Sailor Mouth is whatever's fine. Going on, whatever's going on in, in whatever format, right? Mm -hmm. But like, they still want to play Magic and they still want to see their friends. And so like, it's an easy format to drag those people back into. And a lot of them just like happen to live in New York. Mm -hmm. So like the level of play is very high and like those people tend to be spiky, right? Like if you're an ex world champion, you're not going to come back to this format and play something that you know won't win the tournament, right? Exactly. Like, and so like, it's kind of an interesting social scene. Mm -hmm. And it's also like, I think it's, it's, it's an easy argument for people. Cause I think a lot of people, right. There's a lot of people who were played a lot of magic at one point. They're like not on the grind anymore. They kind of miss parts of it, but like competitive magic just isn't in general what it used to be. Right. Like, like when I left Magic in like 2016, 2017, there was like the SCG circuit and there was a Grand Prix circuit and there was like, there was like, you know, and there was a TCG player circuit that like no one ever talked about. But like now you come back and like a lot of these circuits are kind of gone. Like the, the glory of being a pro player isn't really like, you can't be a professional Magic player for most people in the same way you used to. Like it's now kind of streaming, right? All that kind of stuff. And so like 
a lot of those people have like moved on. Like a lot of them work at hedge funds. A lot of them do, you know, half of SIG, like Susquehanna Investment Group is like almost like half of their trading desk is just like pro magic players or like <laughs> ex-pro magic players that don't play magic anymore. And so like there's a lot of people in like New England who like were very good, grinded it out, but like don't really want to grind anymore, but like miss it and miss some of the competitiveness. So like there's a lot of that. And then it's also like a lot of people, there's those people also attract a crowd of like the current players who like want to play with people that they like, you know, only got to see on TV growing up. Mm-hmm. Right. Like like there's definitely some matches that I've had against people where I'm like, oh, like like I remember watching you on like live streams like you know, <laughs> five, ten years ago. Like this is cool. Like, you know, talking about lobster con even, this isn't like a New York thing, but like Brian Selden won LobsterCon. Like I was playing in the event with the survival of the fittest from the world championship decks that are his world championship deck that he's like his signatures on the cards. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that's cool. That's really cool. Um Yeah. Yeah. So like I don't know, like that's a cool part of the format, but it's also like and I'd say there's like a core crew of people who like this is their magic thing that they do. Mm-hmm. It's also like I think from like a collector perspective, like pre-modern is a really, I think, attractive format to build a collection in Mm -hmm. like one thing that i when i was first had a collection of magic like when i you know when i was younger like i never like i I had some nice foils i had you know one fbb dual land Mm -hmm. right but i didn't have like adult money right exactly (laughs) and i feel like now i'm like ooh, i have adult money i'm gonna get all the shiny things Uh right and in something like legacy or even vintage like to keep a current deck with all the shiny things is like relatively expensive and you're definitely losing money as a function of time Mm -hmm. like to keep a really nice and and, you know people have different things they do right like i know a lot of people in the pre-market community don't like foils they like alphas Mm -hmm. right or whatever or like maybe they don't care about it all like i know some people got back into it they're like because like for 60 bucks i can build stasis Mm -hmm. right like that's that's appealing but in terms of like if you want to just like have a bunch of old border foils like i don't know like this like i think you're better off building a bunch of like max pimp like pre-modern decks than trying to even go for legacy at this point with the rate that it's changing that makes sense like it's, it's a much easier proposition i think that definitely um, makes sense um and like oh yeah no go you go ahead sorry i was gonna say like like the foils that are expensive like except for say the pain lands the seventh edition foil pain, pain lands it's like all right so the really expensive foils are like fetch lands right mm-hmm. like onslaught block fetch lands which you're going to need if you're pimping out a collection in anything mm-hmm. like fnm swords to plowshares like that's like you know if you want to like 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 there's all these things that if you had a really nice collection at any point you may just like have mm-hmm. and this is a format where you get to play with yes them. there's definitely that and i've seen um there was a local player here in madison who had a completely foiled elf deck like all foil cradles he had the uh judge promer survivals like it was like so you just didn't want to buy a house is what you're telling me. Um, so it's, or you already had, or you already had I'm just like, good Lord. Um, and I'm definitely that yeah. guy that falls in the ladder camp. Like I play it because I love the gameplay and my cars and you'll routinely see people make fun of my lands. They'll make fun of the jackal pups that I play because they're like the M25 version of jackal pups. Like I'm that guy. Cause I just don't care. And at some point, you know, it's kind of fun seeing the reaction just in a ha-ha way. But it is truly a format where if you buy into it, the vast majority of the expensive cards, if you buy them, have proven over time they're not going down. It's it's a oh. seems to be a solid investment of money that you can get a good return on if you ever sold out of it. I mean, I, I'll put it this way, right? Like, I, I think it's maybe wrong to say that they're not ever going down, right? Like, I think the question is, what kind of risk do you sure have, right and so like if if magic in general loses popularity like everything will go down eventually. okay that's right? fair and there's a, a real risk of that in general for thinking of like owning magic cards as like a proper investment mm-hmm. right historically magic cards have been a great investment over like the last unit of time they've out like like out power has outperformed the smp like almost since it came out mm-hmm. right um but like i think i agree with you we're like one of the good things about old border foils is that they don't get diluted by new border, like new printings of foils usually. And I think the only exception I'd say is it's going to be interesting to see, um, for example, like the uh, seventh edition foil uh, Wrath of Gods, mm-hmm. the Dominary Remastered Wrath of Gods that have the same border and the same art. Yeah. <laughs> are like $5. 
but like i don't know like it, it, it's not obvious to me that those should dilute the price so like you don't really have the reprint risk because like the true like original printing old border foil for most of these it's like the person who buys that is not the person buying the dominaria remastered exactly one, right? like so that risk is a little bit different and like i don't know like it, i think if, if you have the original art original foil like in, in the scope of magic cards they tend to do pretty well it's also like a lot of these cards have huge overlap with legacy with cube and with commander mm -hmm. and like we know that a ton of the demand in the magic card market has been driven towards commander players yes. so like you know as long as say fire blast is in commander or is in a cube mm -hmm. right or like so long as say a judge cradle is needed for a cube or a commander deck like i don't think i'd worry about the demand for like high-end like old border foils like relative to the demand for magic in general right mm -hmm. so there, there's still reasonable exposure but within the magic like collectibles market i feel like relatively you know good with like old border pre-modern foils that makes sense so kind of jumping into the main segment here of you hear about lobster con um how did we how did you end up was it always going to be elves or did you do testing enough to make sure like I have limited this choice? I'm going to play this choice. How did you end up on elves? I mean, like, I'll be honest with you. I, I think I played pre-modern three times before Lost Yes, <laughs> I love this. Okay. Um, and, but I did own, so like I've been using, like, okay, three times at like competitions. What I did is when I bought into pre-modern, part of the reason also I got into it too is I have a bunch of other friends that I play other games with that I wanted to red pill into magic mm -hmm. and magic. I find recently has been a very hard game to teach people with like modern sets. Yeah. yeah. And so I just built like six pre-modern decks and was like, Hey, like come over and I'll use these to teach them. I built elves, uh, land still, uh, the rock, um, goblins, uh, a like, um, zombie infestation pile, and a burn deck right okay. those are the six that i have mm -hmm. and so i actually went to LobsterCon with all six decks in my backpack because I, like, I don't know what i'm gonna play <laughs> all right um but of the three times that i played pre-modern at like the new york meetups like i played burn the first time and went like two 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 i think mm -hmm. and then i played elves and went three one and elves went three one and i kind of went into this tournament and i was like okay I think there's like one of three decks that I'm I'm gonna play, right? So I think that like the the obvious best deck in this format is like clearly some sort of like land tax oath of druid style, right? Mm -hmm. Parfait is like I think I think you you'd have to like I think you're pretty wrong if you think that's not like quote unquote the best deck. Sure. However, I do not think that that's a good deck to bring to this tournament because that deck is very hard to win in time, and you're gonna go to time, and if you draw, you're gonna end up in a bracket that's like all random shenanigans and strong, mm -hmm. right? And so I think additionally like it is the most obvious deck and so there will be lots of hate for it right yes um the other thing too is elves doesn't have a great matchup against oath of druids like it just doesn't right mm -hmm. and so but like that's kind of both ways part of this also is parfait is not a cheap deck to build right you need your mox diamonds you need like uh scroll rack land tax you need a lot of stuff mostly mox diamonds they're like quite expensive so the the pool of people who can just be like oh yeah Parfait is the best deck I'm going to play it is like already smaller than you'd think. And for a tournament like this, like this is always the thing in eternal formats is like the number of people who just show up with the deck that they own is always going to be way higher than the number of people who will try and like, you know, metagame or whatever, mm -hmm. right? And so like, and this is a relatively recent deck that became really popular. So, but the good news is that I think people are like, okay, no one's going to be an idiot and play elves. So I'm going to shave on my sideboard cards against elves. Because the thing about elves in this format is that like, there's a lot of very good sideboard cards. Like you, you should win game one against basically anything playing elves, but then like game two can be much like they're, they're like there are sometimes where they're like, yep, yeah, like engineered play. Like, okay, <laughs> that's the game. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so like, or like actually Pyroclasm is probably like the best card against elves. But like, like okay, I think there'll be less elves stuff. And then the other thing to me was also, I was like, okay, like I kind of just want to play the thing that I have the most experience with. Now, the other two options I thought were reasonable was and this was like the three that i was really deciding between was elves because had the most experience i thought it was maybe well positioned i think if you just wanted to beat um the parfait like matchup like that's the only thing you care about i i had packed like blue white sandstill i think is like is a really good parfait matchup. Mm -hmm. 
um because their oaths just like do nothing and like you can just counter their things that matter and like you can play main deck you know seal of cleansings right mm -hmm. so that was like another option and then the third option was goblins um and goblins it was it was probably between elves and goblins for me i just goblins had been doing really well across the board also goblins is like an unwinnable matchup for elves like as bad as oath is like you can win that matchup like i don't think i've ever won a matchup of elves versus goblins it's just really 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 bad mm -hmm. and so i was like man i'm gonna feel bad if i show up with elves and i just get my face smashed by goblins a bunch and i could have just played goblins and smash fat face smashed other people on elves mm -hmm. um and goblins had been doing pretty well so i was like i think goblins is a reasonable pick for this tournament um and i think we you know we saw a goblin player top eight so like Certainly, that wasn't like wrong, but I'd also never played the deck. Like, I'd never, like, even in playing with my friends, like, I just, because I just had never played. <laughs> like, I, I literally think I got the last card in the mail, like, the day before I left. And I was like, hmm, I don't know if this is the right approach. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially with like Goblin Matrons. Like, Goblins is not a very brain dead deck to play. No, right? not at all. Um, the other thing I'll say too is that I'm someone who goldfishes a lot. Like I, I just have a job because I, I run a crypto hedge fund, so I just like sit and like look at the computer a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I'll sit and goldfish while I'm like watching things. And so, as much as I haven't played that much of elves, I think I've goldfished elves more than like anybody else. Gotcha. So you know the play patterns. You know what does this? I have this man of this turn. I can accomplish and get to this point. So you have that experience. Yeah. There. Also, just like elves is a deck that you are really benefited by goldfishing a lot hmm. because of a couple of things. One is you really don't want to go to time in tournaments and survival of the fittest, like is a card that will make you go to time. If you don't know what you're getting, like without having to think. Uh -huh. um, and also like, this is an incredibly complicated deck. And so like, <laughs> you don't want to, you want to be like looking at a board state and be like, okay, I like the number of times you're like, Oh, like I'm sure I can win this turn, but like how, mm -hmm. right. And it's like nowhere near as linear as like legacy elves. Right. Cause you have to, Usually, like, that happens when you have a survival in play. And it's like, okay, what am I getting? Like, do I go get the Wirewood Symbiote? Like, how do I, how do I like, even what order of cards do I have to play initially? Like, when do I play my Priest of Titanias? Like, this is a very, very, this is not, like, a simple, like, I, when I teach people to play Magic, I never hand them the Elves. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's not, it's not a great beginner's deck by any means. Yeah. Um, so we've decided on Elves, and we make this decision. Kind of run me through your day. Eight rounds of Swiss. Um, give me give me a rundown of how this kind of went. You know, it doesn't have to be purely specific, but whatever details you want to give, opponents in the rounds, etc. Yeah, okay. So first round opponent was against um, a friend of mine from New York, David Tao, who was on Parfait. Um, really great player. He actually won the second day, the side event, um, with Bollinger's Breakfast, but he was on Parfait uh, on the first day. Um, we had a really interesting match, uh, game, I think I took game one, game two, um, we had this kind of interesting interaction. I had a Kamal Fist of Carosa in play and he had an Oath of Druids and I activated Kamal to make his lands one ones to stop his oath from, from oathing. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think I got there game two or no, I think, no, but I ended up losing game two. Game three, we ended up going to time. It was one of those where he had an oath in play, but like couldn't close it because i like you got an oath and play really early and i just never played creatures and i think there was like 15 minutes and you know there was sometimes parfait just like can't win in 15 minutes yeah, um, yeah that's true wasn't so a little bit unfortunate you know to have a draw so early and like i was like oh like okay now i'm in the draw bracket like time for the parfait bracket yeah that's fun <laughs> i know what i'm playing the rest of the day uh -huh. and so the second round i played um someone uh, a guy named Jeff Green, who I was like, you look really familiar. And I realized I had done like, I traded like in a Facebook group with him, like bought cards from him in mm -hmm. like 2016. And I don't know if you ever do this, but he was someone who like, I had bought cards off a Facebook group from him in 2016. And then we'd like been Facebook friends. So I've like seen his whole life play out <laughs> over a long uh -huh. period of time. Um, By the way, Jeff Green, anyway. an amazing guy from kind of my area, played him in the finals of the first uh, Misty Mountain Pre-Modern Championship. Great guy. Yeah. Awesome guy. Uh, super, super nice. Um, can't recommend him super highly. Anyway, so I'm playing him. He's on um, Stasis, and which is usually like a really good matchup for Elves. Yeah. Uh, it's like one of the best matchups because like I can just untap my lands and stuff. Yeah, you care about anyway, nothing that they're doing. Game one, I run him over. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. Game one, I, I wreck him. Game two, he has cursed totem turn two. Gets there. Yeah. Um. Game three, he's got a cursed totem on turn two as well. Mm-hmm. Um. And I like managed to to morph a uh, Natuko vigilante mm-hmm. and unmorph it. And he had a stasis and a, and a and a cursed totem. And I don't know why, but I popped the stasis because I was gonna untap and kill him. And ah. he then goes gush, like draws into another stasis and like plays it. And I'm like, so it was just it was a huge punch. Oh boy! I like totally should just hit the cursed totem untapping. Like it was just oh no. Like, but in, in my defense, uh-huh. if you were at LobsterCon, it was like infinity degrees inside, and I was like, I think I was about to like pass out. Okay, man. I hadn't really drank water yet. All right. So like I, it was, but it was it was a really stupid punt. And I was like, oh, like, I guess my day is like basically over. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then, so then I played like another parfait, ran him over. I played, wait, I have, I have actually notes on my phone about what I played. Um, and I don't know. I, I was kind of in like, all right, like whatever. Like, I'm just, I guess I, I, I flew out to Boston this morning, like, or last night. Like I, you know, I'm, I'll play it, whatever. Play like I'll just, I'll play yeah. it. Um, and I ran him. So I ran over a, an oath player that I, I played against blue white lost the first round. I'm like, Oh, for sure. Now I'm done. Cause like, if you lose the first round against blue white, like it just gets worse. Like it's, it's generally not, I don't know, but then I ran him over two games in a row. Cool. Then I got paired up against the rock and just like totally ran him over. I think like two. Uh-huh. And then I was like, Hmm, like, you know, things are going pretty well. Like, Whoa, look at this. Yep. yep. Like I, like, but like you know, also like my 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 tiebreakers are not great because I started off oh one one. Yeah, yeah, that's not amazing. But <laughs> and so then I'm like, okay, and I play someone on Stifle Knot, and he's like, yeah, like I I I gotta go leave to like see my family in a moment. Like I don't know, like, and so he's like, let's play the match. So we play the match, and I run him over. But then he like dropped to go see his family, which is fine. Like I, I get that. But, but my tiebreakers <laughs> also not good for my tiebreakers. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we're winning out. And, we're we're running the dream, but everything that could go wrong outside of winning is now going wrong. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So so anyway, so I go in the last round, and I'm like, ooh, there's a chance. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, there's three people at my record. There's me, another elf's player, and Flint Espel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Flint. And. So you know the part of this story, which is that Flint is on Fluctuate. <laughs> and so I, after this like quick round where I've run this guy over on Stifle Knot, I'm like, hmm, like let me watch um like Flint play. Uh-huh. And I'm watching and I like I pull up the deck list of like what I think he's playing. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I have actual zero interaction <laughs> with whatever he's doing. <laughs> right? So the only interaction that I have, and I'm like, I'm excited about it. I'm like, okay, wait, no, but I I have Tomo's crypt in my sideboard, uh-huh. right? So if I cheese one game and I game two, I can if I have a to- do I just mulligan to Tomo's crypt? Because I'm looking at all these lists online and they only have one chain chain of whatever chain of smog is chain of vapor. Is? No. no, no, no. The one that like adds a mana for each oh, card um, in your graveyard. Uh goddamn. Uh not damned. Um it's something of smog. Uh let me I got I can pull up the list. We'll continue you know talking yeah. and we'll find it. So anyway, so he's got, so I'm like, okay, cool, cool. And then I'm watching him play this game, like before the, like, se- like before the, the seventh round is over and someone else has a, 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 a Tomo script in play and they Tomo script his graveyard array. And he's like, okay. And then he continues the combo and he has a second one. <laughs> I'm like, oh no. Oh no. So I, like my only way to stop the combo is if I have exactly both of my two Tomo script in my sideboard. Uh, <laughs> it's like, uh, <laughs> that's great. Uh, songs of the, but I look and I'm like, okay. Songs of the damned? No. Maybe uh, uh, whatever the the black card. Yeah, the, add the, add black for each creature card in your graveyard, right? Yeah, is that song? That's of the songs damned? of the damned. Okay, so songs. Okay. Of the damned. so I'm like, okay, so he's got two. Like, this does not bode well. And I'm like doing the math on like all the matchups. I'm like, okay, and I, next to me is an elves player. Oh, so the other person, there's like two other people that are also playing a match. They're in the same like bracket of records, mm-hmm. right? And it's an elves player playing against a goblins player. <laughs> and I'm like, oh man, okay, like. Like, and they look like they're about to go to time. I'm like, this guy, there's no way he wins, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I'm either playing Fluctuator, which I don't know, how, I don't think I have interaction with mm-hmm. and looks faster than me, or I'm playing Goblins, which I, I as I said before, I think is like the worst matchup, yeah. right? Anyway, this Elves player sitting next to me 
wins against the goblin player on the last turn of turns. I know how he does it. He pulls it out. And I'm like, ooh, interesting, right? Uh And so I go and I look. And so I have better breakers than the other elves player, miraculously. Okay. But worse breakers than Flint. Uh And I'm like, oh, (laughs) interesting. So there's like two things that could happen here, right? Oh, and importantly, above us is like, like an even number. So there's three of us on our record. So one person gets pared down mm-hmm. and the other two play. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, here's what can happen. There's only a couple of scenarios. I get paired against Flint, which, you know, then I think it's a win and in, mm-hmm. right? Because the other elves player has worse breakers. So even if he wins, you know, whatever. But think, I, I, as I said, I don't think I have any interaction. Like the only hope is maybe I can get a tangle wire. If I'm on the play, I can get a tangle wire on turn two. And then he has tap, but like, I, what does that even get me? Right, yeah, not <laughs> you know? a little bit more time. Like, but like, does it even? Because like, I, I, my deck's not great under a tangle wire on turn two. This, like, it's true. It's like this seems bad. Like, this seems like if you resolve fluctuator, because the thing is too, like, you can't even like naturalize the fluctuator because like you can just cycle another card in response, right? Uh-huh. So I'm like, this seems bad. So that's one scenario. Another scenario is that I get paired against the other elves player. That was what I was hoping for. Cause I was like, okay, at least then it's just a winning in with elves. Right. Mm-hmm. And the other, if Flint wins, the other guy might just scoop because he can't win if Flint wins. Cause Flint has better breakers. Right. right? So like, I'm like, that's the scenario that I want to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the other scenario, which is the scenario that happened was I got the pair pair down, Ooh. which I was also like, okay, well, you know, the other person may just scoop. If I can make top eight, we talked about it. We ended up playing, he was on Stifle Knot, which I think is an incredibly good matchup for elves. I don't know how you can lose that matchup. Um, it, it, specifically, like the red version has some play, but the other versions, like uh, you're just you're just better. And I have so much like artifact removal, mm-hmm. like game t- two and three. Like they really got to cheese it out. Um, like you can usually just race them. So like you know, not if they go like turn one, Dreadnought, Stifle with a Lotus Petal. Like okay, like you got me right. Mm-hmm. But like that's usually not how that game. So I, I run him over 2-0, like in the first, I think it was like 15 minutes in. And so I'm like watching, and I'm watching the Ellis player sitting next to me just get like completely run over. I'm like, no. Did he get run over? Because I really needed him to win. He, and he was against Flint in this scenario? He's against Flint on Fluctuate. Yeah, that, that's got to be a molly him. whopping. And I'm watching him. I talked to him afterwards. And he's like, yeah, we have no interaction. I was like, it's not your fault. <laughs> it's not your fault. Um, I swear. I was like, and because uh, it was like sad. Because and then there was like there was an outside chance because there was like if there were some people that could have played that ID'd instead, and if they had played for seeding, then they might have knocked somebody else down. Mm-hmm. So like, but then there was an unintentional draw. <laughs> so I was like, oh no. And so um, because there was one person who was instead of X one and one was X O and two. Oh boy, with two draws. So like. Anyway, that person ended up unintentionally drawing and not making top eight. And like, I know I ended up with ninth on breakers, which like, to be clear, the person who got into top eight on breakers was Flint. Yeah. And like, he was playing unsleeved. Like he'd won the last year. Like there's a lot of like, I'm not like, there's anyone to get ninth on breakers to. It was Flint. And also like, it's not like there's really prizes in lobster con. Uh-huh. Um, but I was, I, I was pretty salty. I mean, it was like, it was also like, I'd started off Oh, one and one, and I was like, "Oh, I made it! Like I'm living the dream," yeah. you know. And um, <laughs> then it was like, "Oop, nope. nope, not today." But still, an amazing, an amazing run. So after this day, um, we had eight rounds. You had to play all of them out. You go into day two. Now you got top three on day two. Did you play elves again? I did play elves. Oh, okay, again. how was how was day two? Was it much more relaxed? A lot more um a lot more fun decks. How, how did day two feel? Uh, you know, the thing with day two, I think a lot of people weren't playing the same deck that they played, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the thing that I knew about day two is there's going to be like a lot less parfait, right? Because everyone who played parfait day one was probably exhausted <laughs> playing parfait and didn't want to play it. Right. Yeah. Um, and so like, there's a lot of people playing their pet decks, etc. The thing that I also knew was going to happen was that all the New York people were going to try and spike the second. Day, <laughs> right. So like <laughs> the New Yorkers being New Yorkers, 
a lot of us like like I, I, I don't have old school cards like I, I've never played that format I think next year I might try and do that mm -hmm. but like there's a lot of very spiky New Yorkers so I was like there's gonna be a lot of spiky New Yorkers and a lot of like other people who are like gonna play something like somewhat more casual mm -hmm. and I was like I was really on the fence because I was like I really still felt like I had something to prove with elves because I was like ah like we didn't get there like, we were so close but we didn't uh -huh. make it and so I, was like, I, I do really feel like I have something to prove with elves I know this deck the best and I was like but do I just play goblins and, and I, I, I like even posted in the Facebook group for pre-modern. I was like, should I like run it back? And people were like, run it back. So I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to run it back. Mm -hmm. Like, like, and then, um, I started off, I actually lost the first game of the sec of the side event. Cause I was like, Hmm. And the side event, by the way, was so much nicer. It was like air conditioned. <laughs> it was great. Um, and so, so I also was like 50, 50 on just going home. Like I, I almost like booked a flight home <laughs> the next morning. Cause I was just like, it was really hot in the venue, not having it. Oh, and I forgot to buy, like, I didn't realize you to buy the lobster ahead of time. Uh. So I was like kind of miserable. I was like, I'm at LobsterCon. I got ninth on Breakers. And I like didn't buy the lobster at LobsterCon. <laughs> all the chips I, are falling I, I, the wrong oh. way. I was like, I just made so many mistakes. <laughs> and so I was like, all right, you know what? I'll stick around. I'll play it. Um, IQ. And I, so I, so at the round one, my opponent, I like, I go turn one, like, my opponent goes turn one like land pass. I go like turn one like lawn or elves, and he goes turn two like oath of druids. I'm like, uh, that's not good. Mm -hmm. But then he, he like flipped, and he goes, I'm like pass, and he goes flip like half the deck over Terravore, like it's a 2020. Oh, <laughs> it's like oh, okay. Was this Pat? This was um, a Patrick Burt, was it? I don't remember the person's name. Um, but I've so seen this anyway, word, so I, yeah, I continue on. Sorry, I'm playing against him. Game two, I like I I I naturalize his oath. I get there. Game three, I have like naturalized an oath. He plays another oath. I naturalize the other oath, and he plays another. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, fine. I guess you just have it, yeah. right? And he goes and he flips, and the top card is Terravore. <laughs> so he has a sad zero one Terravore. I untap, draw another naturalize, and naturalize the third oath. <laughs> so we get there. Um, played some more dirtly stuff. Like I played like a uh, like a. Like a, um, um, uh, what was it? It was like it was like stacks, and mm -hmm. Elves is a great matchup against stacks. I'm like doing good. Played something else that was like kind of dirtily, and then I then I play someone who goes like turn two hermit druid. And I'm like ooh spicy. I have no idea what this deck does. <laughs> like I don't know what's going on at all. I just know I'm really not supposed to let hermit druid like tap. Yeah, don't ever let that happen. <laughs> it's like my. So game one, Hermit Druid tapped and I lost. Yeah. Um, game two, I was able to get uh, I was able to get there a number of ways. And then game three, I played the worst game of Magic the Gathering I've ever played. <laughs> oh I was like, I was just like couldn't think through what was going on. I like got through like I like survivaled wrong. Like I, I survivaled for a sharpshooter and then like couldn't cast a sharpshooter. I was like, oh my god, like I I should have survived for a Mastercore to kill the Hermit Druid. But then I got a, a tangle wire and I think he maybe made a mistake or something, but like he was on full English breakfast and I like somehow got there, but I was like, I really don't know what was going on, but this, this like, there was a lot of thinking and I made a lot of mistakes, but I think he just maybe made one more mistake. And like, I, I, I feel lucky. Um, and then I was, was play, fifth round. I played against uh stifle knot, um, Ran ran over the gentleman playing Stifle Knot, um, and because Elvis just has a great matchup, and then we go into the last round, and I'm like, oh, it's like so the only two undefeateds are me and David Tao, and I'm like, oh, like we, we get to have our rematch on, but um, he's on Full English Breakfast as well, <laughs> so I'm like, oh, okay, so we get to have our our rematch from the day before. Um, we sit down, and there, and and I'm like, and by the way, so it's like six o'clock at this point, mm -hmm. right? and so I haven't booked my travel back to New York. And I'm looking, the last flight out is at like seven. The last train out is at 830. <laughs> Whoops. And I'm like, cool. Like I'll make, I'll make the last train. I'll be home. Like my significant other won't kill me. Like this is great. Uh -huh. Like this is like, we're, we're doing good. Uh, we're playing. I, maybe I can win this whole thing. I'm in like the finals basically. And T.O. comes over. And he's like, by the way, like a bunch of people want to play a top eight. Like, do you guys want to do a top eight? Like, no, I don't. <laughs> But also, I'm like, ah, like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> like, because, because, like, you have to understand, too, at this point, like, I have won 
like like 11 matches in a row of of pre-modern playing elves yeah right because since losing punting against jeff to the like a hundred degree like sweating out like not even drunk water like misplay like i have just only won uh-huh. the game so i'm also like i'm like you know like i don't know and also like i just missed out on playing a top eight the day before mm-hmm. so i'm not gonna be the one to be like let's not play a top eight right, right? like i finally get to play my top eight um round so first round of the top eight i'm against um i'm against someone with fully foiled out with including onslaught fetches like beautiful foiled out land steel um and i just run him over <laughs> like he just he just does not find a wrath of god and that is very bad yes 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 it is <laughs> absolutely need to find exactly wrath of god or you lose mm-hmm. um and then then the top four is like so then at top four i'm um top so so i'm like okay cool looking around i'm like okay there's like two english breakfasts in 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 like the the um in the top like eight okay i'm maybe i'm gonna play english breakfast like what am i doing i look over and i'm like okay who, who was in my bracket and i hear mike flores out of the corner of my ear complaining about how bad rock is which, if you know Mike Flores, means that he is not only playing rock, but also winning with it. Yes. Because that's when he complains the most about the rock. I, I've seen So I'm like, thing. all right. Yes. So I get play, paired against Mike in the next round. And round one, we're like, we're jamming. I mold the five. I'm like, okay, you know, it is what it is. Um, I stick a survival, but I don't have any creatures in hand. And I proceed to draw four lands and three tangle wires <laughs> <laughs> and uh somewhere there's a great picture in the pre-modern discard of just my only permanence of play being lands and tangle wires and the whole time he's sitting there being like wow somehow even the rock is winning this match I'm like okay all right oh my flores so game two i'm like all right doing stuff we're doing stuff he's got like a bunch of creatures in play but i get a survival going and he plays like a, he plays a, 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 um, oh, but we, he plays a deranged hermit. I play a deranged hermit, but then like he plays, um, uh, engineered plague and names insect. Cause my whole plan was to bounce my deranged hermit with my, um, wirewood symbiote, mm-hmm. right? I all, however, do not know that I would have named wirewood uh, Insect, I think I may have just named Elf. Um, but neither here nor there. I end up having a Genesis in the graveyard. I also have a Color of the Claw in hand. But this game somehow takes like an hour. <laughs> like, because the thing is, he played all these big blockers. Uh-huh. And like, it's just like, it's just the whole thing going on. He's also destroyed the, the, the survival. So like, I have some mana, but not a ton because I can't untap my things. I'm also, I've got like my, oh, and I also haven't eaten this whole day. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, okay, because I haven't eaten, well, everyone else is enjoying their lobster around me. So I'm like, okay, like, you know, we're going to get there. I like can't lose. I end up getting, finding Mastacore and then like spending infinite mana, like, like shooting down his four fours one at a time. But also like, I have a collar claw in the hand. So even if he rips, like he can't really rip like a, a pernicious deed mm-hmm. because pernicious deed blows up his creatures and then i i just play color of the claw yeah and like then i can attack through everything but he's just got like all these walls and like tons of random bullshit so i'm like i have to deal with all this mm-hmm. right um and so that game takes forever but we get there and then game three david walks over so he's won his match so he's in the finals and he's like, by the way, Mike, like, I've always wanted to play you in the finals of a tournament. Please win. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, dang. All right. Rip. And um, Mike. So, I, so I'm like, okay, I have a pretty good hand. So I've heard that. Yeah. I've heard the story. He, he wrote about it. Was there a noticeable, like, attitude shift once that was said? No. So he's, he's going to say something like, he, he, no. Mike just kept a hand with three pernicious teeth. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And okay. so I don't care who walked up to him and said whatever. But <laughs> it's really hard to, for elves to be creepers. He he kind of left that out of the story he wrote. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the story that he told, which 
to, I mean, to his credit, like I think he did sit up in his chair. You know, he did he did seem to care about it more. Like I don't I don't think that in game three he would have cast engineered explosives naming insect. I'll put it that. Sure, way. sure, sure. But he did have three pernicious deeds, and that that's <laughs> enough, huh? And so game three was very quickly not a game. Uh, and so, but also like to his credit, right? Mike is an excellent player, played very well. Um, and I will meet uh, David Tao in the finals of another tournament, I'm sure. Like, it's it's fun. And we all had a, a good laugh. And then, uh, actually, like, on Friday of this last, like, uh, what was it, four days mm-hmm. ago, we actually had a New York City meetup that uh, David wasn't there, but, like, <laughs> everyone else from New York who top eighted either of the events was there. So there was, like, a 30, like, a 20 to 30 person, like, New York tournament that was, like, most of the top eight from both events of LobsterCon. Oh, and also <laughs> Osip Levadavish. Or uh, I can never yeah. pronounce his name. Osip was there. <laughs> it's like, yeah. So we had a crazy, and uh, I played blue white Landstill in that tournament. Uh huh. And did terribly. So I'm really glad that I just stuck with the elves. <laughs> <laughs> the other one. And, and I think I will never play blue white Landstill in another tournament. I had a miserable time. Oh man. So it, give me give me some quick thoughts. You had a great weekend, and outside of missing lobster and. You know, some little things. What was what was the vibe? And this may be especially important as a person who doesn't suffer or gather anything truly from the nostalgia of the cards a lot of times. From more of a younger player's perspective, how did LobsterCon feel, that environment of it? I like LobsterCon a lot. I think, like, one of the things with, you know, it was, like, an inch, like, I liked it a lot. I think the first day was kind of brutal with just, like, the heat. Mm-hmm. Like, I know a lot of people who just, like, you know, like, went home off the heat and that kind of stuff. I think, like, it was cool to see a lot of really high-skilled players, but I will say, in general, it felt like like a relatively soft format, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you go to, say, a legacy SCG tournament. Like, not every player, but there are some pretty strong players, like, on average, that play legacy. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, I think there's a lot of players that, like, don't get to play a ton of pre-modern, etc. Like, if you're trying to spike... A tournament and be champion of a format like this feels like the format to be played sure i can see that i can see that um and i but i also think that there was like a lot of excitement a lot of energy also like LobsterCon was fully registered for pre-modern and like people didn't come because it was full like like this format is growing like crazy i think the gameplay was pretty good look at the diversity of the different decks in the top eight like was crazy and you say you see too like you have someone like brian selden like like and flint in the top eight like this is a format where good players top eight. And I think that's a really good sign, right? Mm-hmm. Like I like playing formats where I'm like, okay, I did not make top eight because I was bad at playing. Magic. <laughs> and the person who did make top eight was made top eight because they were good at playing magic. And it's not like, oh yeah, I got more ragavans in my opening hand. <laughs> cool. Like some like random person is in, wins this tournament because they just drew more ragavans, mm-hmm. right? Like I think that was kind of a little bit refreshing where it, it feels very high skill. Okay. And like, you do need to know the format very well. It also feels like there's a lot of de- deck discovery. Like I think one of the concerns with pre-modern is that it, it could get stale because the card pools are rotating. Mm-hmm. But I really, really don't see that. Like I think we're very far off from having a solved format. I, right? And like, it's a pleasure to hear you say that because I feel the same way. It's it is a closed format, sure, but there are just so many viable things to do. And the card pool that we have, if something like okay, parfait becomes dominant. You can build the deck to beat Parfait and still be comparably competitive against others. It may not be the most exciting gameplay, sure, but you can. Uh, Same thing when Elves was running around in Rampant. You beat to beat Elves. Um, And also, there are so many cars in here that probably, and we'll get into this when we get to the section, but like there are probably cars just waiting to be broken. Like No one's broken LED yet. No one's broken um, Ill-Gotten Gains which is an insanely powerful card. Nobody's, I think, built the right Storm deck yet because there's st- still ways to do it. So it, it, it's just nice to hear a more non-nostalgic player say that as well because I do hear that concern a lot. Yeah, it's also like, it's also like as, as you brought up, like there's a lot of like really cheesy things that you can do in this format. Like, a la Flint Espel on, like, Fluctuator, right? Which secretly may and, like, just be an insane deck that we just think is a meme, by the way. So, so to be clear, Fluctuator also won the New York 30-person tournament on Friday. <laughs> I, I saw that. That's <laughs> freaking great. And I think 
whoever was playing it was their first time playing. Pre-order. I think it was Os- Osip played it to the win. I think I saw it in the post. Oh, yeah, yeah, Osip. That's what that's yeah. Osip played it. It was like, yeah, it just crushed everybody. <laughs> um, so I think people didn't learn from from La- LobsterCon. Have that's have those uh stabilizers. Oh on the my side. god. I th- I heard Flint was handing out stabilizers. Is that accurate? Yes. Yeah. So he he was playing on un- his deck was unsleeved. Uh-huh. And if when he beat you, he would take out a stabilizer, sign it, and give it to you. <laughs> That's awesome. So great. All right. So if you were to play an event like this again, and I'm assuming from your excitement the way you talk about it, you will. It, what changes to elves do you think you would make? Or do you think it's in a good place as it is built now? Yeah, so I mean, I, I don't know if you saw my list, but I have like a little bit of a different take on elves it's it's very subtle right like most of elves is very stock but uh my lobster con list had two more main deck basic lands and i cut a lot of the flex mm, mm-hmm. um and i think that like for a couple reasons but like i just like like going up to basic lands like you have to understand that like you can really easily keep one landers with this deck but you can't keep like one lander that has Gaia's Cradle or Mountain, right? Yes. So you have five things that are not keepable one. And so like you basically like increase the number of keepable seven card hands game one with like, and, and I've had debate with this about other Elves players where like I will keep basically any like lands and spells hands with 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 Elves. And that's also because I cut down a lot, like a lot of the stuff that I don't think are like reasonably powerful spells. Mm-hmm. So like, um a lot of the flex spots i just cut and like replace with lands um but you like you need to be winning game one with elves to do well mm-hmm. in the side event i made one change which is that i brought uktabi orangutan from the sideboard to the main in exchange for one of those lands mm-hmm. um and that was because i thought there might be more like weird artifact stuff i also really i felt like i was citing uktabi orangutan in every game mm. Um, the other thing that I do that's weird is I played a main deck Elvish champion, mm-hmm. whereas most people usually leave that in the sideboard. And a lot of people question that, but here's my argument behind it, which is that I want, like, I, 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 I would never play um, Color of the Claw main mm-hmm. because, like, there's so many scenarios where that's just a shitty 2 2, right? For three. Yes. And, like, in, and so, like, in the linear, I'm just trying to win game one very quickly, game plan. Like that is often a dead card, and it like you need if you have a three mana spell in your elf deck, like it, it needs to be very good, mm-hmm. right? Whereas even if they don't have forests, like giving all your elves plus one plus one is like usually good enough to win the game. Yes, at uh, game one, like this is a this is not a format where like creatures are very strong or plentiful. Mm-hmm. Like usually you can just attack people with one ones. Like like I, I didn't mention this story, but like I, I won maybe two or three times in this tournament through a humility in play, just having enough one ones i know that story i've been there done that yep yep and so so like yeah so th- th- those are some of the, like the more controversial i guess things that i i did with elves um but yeah i, just, I think people should be running more lands um I, I would probably honestly just run back the same 75 it was awesome That's awesome <laughs> awesome all right so before we kind of head out for the day amazing stories but i got got a three question test for you or three question uh you know opinion section here so what those questions are is and this is going to be cool because of how you've approached this format and where you're coming from is most overrated card in pre-modern most underrated card in pre-modern and the card that you think should be or will be broken so okay i think the most overrated card is foil okay i think that card's really bad really (laughs) um all right. I if people are gonna get upset for me saying this, but like uh, three for one, I don't know, man. I mean that's a lot for one. It it it's true, it's true, but we just don't have force of will in it. It feels a little niche. I know, I know, but I just I think that people are like, oh man, I wish we had force of will. Oh well, I guess I'll just play this other version of force of will. And it should actually just be like mana leaks. I could see it um, in some decks. There are decks like... Uh, I'm going to push back a tiny bit, but I think you may be right in some cases, is Dreadnought can't afford to play two mana in those kind of some of those counter wars. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think... I don't know. I, but, like, like I'm, not, I'm not saying the right number of foils is zero. 
Okay, gotcha. Not what I'm saying. Okay, that's fair. I'm just and like I I I get like I understand why it's in Dreadnought. Mm -hmm. Like I get it. Um, you don't have good cards in the formats. You have to play it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But like I've seen lists that are like four foil, three stifle, and that just feels wrong. Okay, I agree that's wrong. Like there, I don't know how you don't play four stifle and three foil if you're gonna do that kind of weird split in a Dreadnought deck. But you know, to each their own. Uh, I do agree. I've seen yeah, some blue yeah. decks that are like, eh. Like the only other reasonable way to do it is if you're uh, like Sam Black's um, blue parfait list. Um, it works in there, but that's because you have land tax and you can recycle things. Yeah, yeah. Things so, like so that. like, I, again, I'm not saying not to play foil. Like, are you saying just don't play four of in every very, blue deck? <laughs> I just like people who have like like anytime it's in like standstill i'm like this is wrong oh 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 god yeah like it's I, i'm saying this is a card that i have seen put in decks incorrectly very often. okay that's then we are on the same page that's fair i'm not saying like every deck where that's in it shouldn't be in like obviously like it makes sense in stifle sure like those kind of things but like that, I, I question a lot of the places that's fair all right so what's an underrated card in your opinion or most underrated underrated card um dark ritual really okay give give me give me a couple sentences on why it just feels surprising to me that there aren't more like just dark ritual into value decks okay okay what what do you think the value is and and i i'm going to i'm pushing on this cuz i think you're mostly correct but it's the way that they have banned things in the format. Yeah, it is, so it is I'm, nerfed I'm black saying, a lot. So, but I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm not saying that I think Storm should be good. Sure. I, I, I actually like, you know, people just think Storm is better than it is because they're used to recent cards. Mm -hmm. I'm saying that I think and like I think the, clearly the best combo deck is probably Falling Ghost Breakfast uh, or Fluctuator, right? Like those are easily the best two sure. decks. I'm just saying, like, like Dark Ritual into like Master Core. Like I, I just like like there, this is a format where it feels like there's a lot of like turn one plays, mm -hmm. right? Like what are turn one plays? Where, like turn one land Lotus Petal, like Dreadnought Stifle. Yeah is like probably the best hand in the format, right? Sure. And this is a format that is pretty slow and grindy. And so like, it just surprises me that there aren't more like, you know, just trying to like really get the game on turn one by cheesing it out with the dark ritual strategies where it's like, like, like imagine like dark ritual, like him to Turok duress. If him to Turok was legal. Yeah. Is him to Turok not legal? legal. Well, okay. <laughs> but like Dark Ritual into like, I don't know, like, 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 like Masticore or mm -hmm. like, um, even like, you know, two mana creature plus duress, like I think gets there more than people think. Yeah, I, I think I would love to see the rise more of kind of the suicide black decks or like pit rack decks. Um, I think yeah. that's a really unexplored space. Um. People overvalue like ritual into hippie a lot because it's just not that effective here. But hippie or like ritual into um like negator is still a powerful play. Uh ritual honestly in like a reanimator deck, ritual into um like putrid imp, putrid imp, discard card, exhumer, reanimator, something like that. Um is yeah, powerful. I, I guess it's just it's just one of those things where like I saw zero dark rituals cast the whole of Lobstercom. Mm -hmm. And like it just feels like too high power level a card. Like I, I I don't know how you use it. And and you know, as as we're discussing, like maybe maybe it's just not that good, but it just feels too high power level a card. Mm -hmm. Just like actually see no play. Yeah, it it's I think it's really high power level. Uh I think I want to see it more, but it's definitely more an aggressive thing, like the big payoffs for it are, you said, like a stormy thing or like, you know, you can't go into Necro. You can't do that sort of thing that traditionally um, has given it that legs beyond just value. 
But I, I agree. I would love to see it more than people just saying, oh, turn one hippie, because that's not that powerful. But I think there are powerful things with it. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's also like, like, like when I think about elves, too, for example, like elves is very good. It's just like a turn three deranged hermit. Right? Yeah. Like most decks in this format cannot beat turn three deranged hermit. That's right? agreed. Yep. So even if it's like dark ritual into deranged hermit, like <laughs> sure. No, I get I get that. Completely. Oh, I guess you can't really pay the echo then. Ah, but, but you get the token. Yeah, and you know, you just reanimate it on the next turn. Exactly. <laughs> that sounds powerful. That sounds kind of. I think we cracked the format. I, you know what? I'm an innovator over here. That's that's why I'm known. Um. And then what you got to do is you got to really what you got to do is in response to the echo trigger, you got to um sapphire charm it. Yes, absolutely. See. This we come up with the best ideas here. That's what I'm saying. But all right, so what is a card that needs to be broken that you've seen that you're like, why is this card not broken? Why is it not being played? What are your thoughts? I don't really know. I mean, I don't know. Like, like the cards that, like, I would say like cards that are high up on that list, but they like have solutions. Mm -hmm. Right? Is like, um, I, okay. I, I'll say one card that I feel is like criminally underplayed is like, it, and. It's not like how do we break it, but like the card um, contamination is like wildly. Okay, I I've run into some contamination decks, and I think that is a card worthy of breaking. To be honest with you, so so the the, the problem with it is this: is like everyone plays contamination in like these zombie infestation decks with squeeze and everything, and like I, I so I own one of the, I, I own a deck like this. The problem with this deck, uh, game one, I don't know, your win rate's got to be like 70 to 90% easily, mm -hmm. right? But like, they're so soft to any graveyard hate. And this is the problem. Mm -hmm. And so I just like, I wonder if there's something to be built with contamination that like isn't graveyards. Is there, is it graveyard? It's a return. Uh, so, or... so it says on your upkeep, you have to sacrifice a creature. Right, right. You didn't play. And so th what most people do is they'll have like zombie mm -hmm. infestation plus squeeze. Yep, yep. And so every turn they have a thing, yes. right? Problem is that like that deck is just very weak to graveyard mm -hmm. hate. And like, like otherwise that's a really strong deck, right? right? But like you do have things like, um, what's, what's, oh, I'm going to blank on it. The, the, like there, 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 like there must be other ways that don't involve the graveyard to make a, a creature per so turn. So you have right? things like Sacred Mesa, but then you're sacrificing two creatures, and that gets really hard to keep up with because Sacred Mesa is a uh, sack a creature on your upkeep as well. Yeah. There's um Squirrel Nest is a possibility. Is Squirrel Nest Squirrel legal? Nest. Uh, you can build Squirrel Opposition if you wanted to. Okay, but but so they they banned um. Uh, fast, the other uh, fast bond or not fast bond. Um, I know what card you're talking about. The stupid card yeah. that makes it work. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, we're gonna find it real second. Uh. But yeah, no, you can play. Uh, that kind of that kind of deck. Scrollness is probably your best way of doing it because I think uh Earthcraft. Oh, Earthcraft. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's that that's um, not allowed. Um. Yeah, there just aren't. There aren't a lot of great ways to make creatures outside of recurring from the graveyard and doing the infestation thing. Um. Yeah. So I. I but I could. It's just like that's a. Go ahead. That's a card that like every time I've resolved it, like it's just like the game's just over. Mm -hmm. Okay, I love it. I mean, I, I think it has definitely room to be played with and experiment, which the whole format as a whole still does. But we have kind of yeah. reached our hour mark. Um, David, um, Spencer, it's been amazing talking to you. I want to congratulate you again on the finishes that you had both day one and day two. It's awesome. And do you have anything else uh, to say kind of the community at large before we kind of wrap her up? No, thank you so much for having me. And uh, hopefully this, format continues to take off and uh you know i want everyone to know it's really important when you're building your sideboard in pre-modern 
make sure that you do not put in any pyroclasms or any um, uh, of the three man enchantment that gives elves minus one minus one. Those cards are very bad. They are should not be played. Never play them. Never do it. Yeah, don't play them. Just don't do okay. it. Thinking about it, you know, friends don't let friends play pyroclasm. And always, always the words of uh, Spencer here being fantastic. Spencer, thank you again so much for being with us. Um, thank you, everybody who listens. Make sure you're checking out this podcast, all the amazing content coming up. I've, I'm going to start doing it for all because this space needs as many voices as it can get. So go check out Spike Colony with Lanny and um, Mike Flores. Go check out the pre-podcast. Go check out Monster of the Week. Go check out um, All Things Considered. With that being said, everybody, have a wonderful rest of your day, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.